Quinn, we're back. I'm here. We're alive. Um, you're going to hear this chair a little loud. That's the theme of the app. This chair. Oh, do you want to know something? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did I just blow out your eardrums? Because I got so excited. It's also, I'm what I got excited about is so dumb. <laughs> You're going to be like, why did you just break my ears? What are you most excited about is seeing me react like that was like, (laughs) oh, God, it's here. Oh, (laughs) want to hear something weird that makes us twins? (gasps) That ready? Yeah. No. Today, in reality, it's your father's birthday. The day that this episode comes out is my father's father's birthday. birthday. (gasps) Oh. Birthday, birthday. On the count of three, say your dad's name. Ready? One, two, three. Harry. Harry. You, oh, that's why that's weird. That's yes. why I did that. It's Harry, Harry and Larry's Larry. birthday, birthday. Harry and Larry, it's we love you guys. We love you guys. You guys are good guys. One of you is a Republican, but we still love you. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is it? Which one is it? Somehow I don't think there's that many Republican criminal defense lawyers. That seems That's the like it opposite. doesn't go hand in hand. Wait, you need you need to go and tell me why that did be the case. What? Happy birthday, Larry. Hey, Larry, to our favorite criminal defense attorney. Easily. Top five, at least. Barry Card- Shex first. <laughs> first, Rob Kardashian. Robert Kardashian. <laughs> Robert Kardashian. How could I forget? You're my most favorite attorney in the room, depending on the room. And when you're in the street, I bet you're in the top three, depending on the street. What is that? That's, um, it's, uh, Flight of the Concords. That's really funny. I don't, I haven't gotten into Flight of the Concords. <gasps> oh, you would love them. It's I think so I would. Humor. It's humor. And so... it's light and easy and airy and breezy. What is it on? Is it on the HBO? Oh, yes. Matt. Carrie's got to get that max life. Hey, Dad, I know it's your birthday, but can you give me that password? Do you here's feel what I like. Wouldn't you feel better giving someone the gift of Habo on your birthday, Harry? <laughs> my Honestly, my dad, he'd be like, what can I get you? Really? Yes. Do, That's why the, we love you, Harry. We love him so much. There was one Valentine's Day. He's like, dinner. I was like, I'm going out with my friend. He's like, dinner on me. Whoa. <laughs> He's so nice. He really is the nicest Politically, we do not agree, but he really is a good guy. As Carrie wrote in her birthday card to her father, <laughs> wait, I gotta get the phrase. Personal. Can I please get the phrase right though? Yeah. We don't ever. No. <laughs> we may not ever agree. That's what was not, it? it was I something. said we don't always agree. I thought it was we don't ever agree. We don't. We don't always agree ever. <laughs> we don't always ever agree. <laughs> we never ever. No, we agree. We love each other. No, what I said was we don't. We don't always agree, but I appreciate you were supporting my opinions and allowing me to follow my dreams. That's a great card. 
Did I was, the card already say that, or you wrote it? I wrote it. Wow. I'm, you know, I wrote it through paperless post, and then I on the on the background that you can do a backdrop. I did a golf hole. <laughs> My funny greeting card story is that um, you guys know the mail's in trouble, right? We all got to buy stamps. Buy and- stamps. So my sister Brianna sent my dad a Father's Day card uh, this year, back on Father's Day, and he received it in the mail, and the envelope had been ripped open, but it said it was to him on the envelope. It had his address. It had her return address. He pulls out the card, and you know how Brianna is uh, filled with hijinks? Yes. It's one of our favorite things. The card was like, happy birthday, Grandpa. And then when he opened it, it was like, love, Chloe. And (laughs) And little Christina and Aunt Sally. And it had all these different signatures in it and was like, we love you so much, Grandpa. And... He just looked at it and looked at it for the longest time and then called my mom over and was like, like, he knows Brianna. So he's like, I know this is a joke, but I don't get it, really. (laughs) And my mom looked at it and was like, that is weird, even for her. (laughs) Um, And they called Brianna and Brianna's like, no, I sent you a Father's Day card. The post office fucked up had two envelopes that got ripped open with two cards in them. So guess what grandpa got? Larry's card from Brianna, which was probably highly inappropriate knowing her. Oh, I wonder. I hope it was because it seems like such a wholesome card. Also, who's Chloe? I love that he's like, I know it's a joke. He's like, Chloe, how do I put this together? It's got to mean something. Brianna sends my mom the same Mother's Day card every year, the exact same card. And it's a card that you open and has hamsters that do an audible cheer when you open it. And she sends that exact card every year. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate that bit. She's has my mom has stacks of these hamster cards at this point. That is the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever heard, and I'm so upset. I, no that one you is, didn't think that of I it. didn't think of it. Well, I wouldn't. I'm sentimental. I. Yeah, I, I send you send in, real cards with I real send, feelings. I send in the card to my dad. I was like, I can't wait to celebrate together with mom's new knee. <laughs> oh, because she's getting a knee replacement in November. So I was like, we can celebrate with mom's new knee. Like she's getting a knee. She's getting a knee. My mom's getting an eye, and I think she's getting wait, a hip soon. Wait, tell me about the eye, because she's she's. Is she getting like LASIK or is she? Yeah, getting, she's getting correct. Yeah, I don't know if she's it, getting she's, like the G, the thing that like changes the shape of your eye. It's not LASIK, I don't think, because it takes a longer time to recover. Uh, LASIK's fast. LASIK's a fucking fast recovery. There's two types of eye PRK correct. is the slow PRK one. PRK is a slow one. That's I got what PRK. Do you recommend, is she doing LASIK or PRK? I think LASIK. She probably saw me do PRK and is like, I'm not doing that. When I got PRK, how everything much, went how fine. How much was it? Uh, like $2,000. That feels worth it to oh, me. for vision? Yes. It's easily the best decision I ever made in my life. I can't recommend it enough. Where did, did you go in New my York? My favorite thing about it, I went home to Denver. Uh, I Because I know my eye doctor there since I'm a kid, and he's friends with my parents, so I felt like he would not ruin my eye. He wouldn't make you go blind. My dad... Correct. I wanted a, a eye surgery when I was a senior in college or, like, as a graduation gift. I was like, can you yeah. just put money towards it? And my dad was like, nope. My dad was like, there's no way I'm putting money towards you potentially being blind. Nope, not doing it. Huh. 
they're pretty freaked out by it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's fine to wait on it in the sense that uh, I still did it when it was relatively new, but it went okay. Well, it went okay. Here's what happened. When you're healing from PRK, unlike LASIK, they actually take a, I think, a piece of your eye off. So they have a Band-Aid on it, by which I mean a contact lens that is protecting the eye from the outside world, from dust, from stuff hitting it, because it's actually, it's sort of like an open wound. Mm -hmm. So you have contact lenses in. One of them fell out of my eye somehow (gasps) while I was healing. And I I was in so much pain and I took a shower and I was in so much pain. I was just screaming. So then I went in to get it fixed and my eye could only like run, run, run and just have tears flowing from it till they somehow popped one back in for me. But um, that was pretty traumatizing. But I will say that now the biggest thing is and I'm not in a car a lot, but when I am, I enjoy a car nap. And I remember having contact lenses was such a buzzkill because if you fell asleep in the car, you couldn't do it casually. You had to be like, I'm going to take a nap and take your contact lenses out in the car. Mm -hmm. Because if you fell asleep by accident and then woke up, you had that horrible feeling of sleeping in your contacts where everything's all muddily mucked. Mm -hmm. And now to be able to casually be like, I may fall asleep. It's up to me. And I may not. But I don't have to do anything to prepare for that question mark. I honestly, it's something that's on my to-do list. I have to fix my teeth and my eyes. Those are the two things I need. What's wrong with your teeth? I have bonding here, and it fell out here. So you can see that little space on this one. Uh-huh. I just kind need to fix it. it. But also, they did like half things with my teeth. Like they put bonding because I had white stripes on my teeth. Not the band. Calcium deposits. When I was little, my mom put me in the stroller. I was like... This might be one of my first memories. They strapped me in. This is when you had a seatbelt in the shopping cart. My sister was in the back in, like, the big part. And my brother's like, Carrie, do you want to go really, really fast? We were at Marshalls or TJ Maxx. The cart gets out of control. It tips over. My sister jumps out, but I'm buckled in, so my face smacks the ground as a kid. Ooh. Which, looking back, I actually have never thought about this from my mother's perspective. That had to be so fucking scary. That's why they don't make any... I'm not the reason, but part of the reason why they don't make those straps anymore in the cart, shopping carts, because they're just, like, keep you stuck in... You've got to have an escape hatch. Yeah. So anyway, so it goes over, and I do remember seeing linoleum floor and blood. And so for the first couple years, my adult teeth were not ready to come in so I had fake teeth as a child like Dennis the Menace style Uh but now it's discolored it looks like a little bit yellow compared to the rest of my teeth and so I want to get that fixed too well never noticed it but I notice it all the time all you do is stare at yourself in the mirror that's your problem all the new hobby I stare at myself in the mirror and I stare at the things I hate the most don't you no I grew out of that are you serious yeah I'm over it what'd you do uh I think I think it has to do with giving up. <laughs> Sorry to say. The it's best just... part about that is, dear readers, she told me that with like fully lounged and with 1,000% head in hands. hands. With 1,000% sincerity. I think it's about giving up. 
it's pretty great. I actually I think really it only love gets that. better with age too. I think you just give up a little more and a little more. I haven't gotten my hair cut in over two years. Dear readers, I've been begging Quinn to let me give her a haircut. Calm down. I never said no. She never You're said no. But like I we said gotta no. do it. When can I do it? Can I do it today? Yes. I don't care. Oh my god! I'm so excited. Not me. I don't care. I'm a little I nervous, but I'm excited. Okay. I'd make it long enough so you can still pull it back. I try to do layers. Try it. <laughs> like, where am I headed? I'm so Other excited. Other than my next midwife's appointment, no one sees my hair. I go to the midwife's now every week because the baby's going to be coming soon. And every time they call you to remind you of your appointment, they say to you, and remember, wear a mask and come alone. <laughs> and I always want someone to, like, from the future, someone from the past to overhear that somehow would just think that I'm going to a sex party every week. And you're about to get kidnapped. Yeah. A thousand Wear percent. Wear a mask. Come alone. Wear a mask. Come alone. That's really fucking funny. Yeah. God, what would our ancestors say? Truly. Darkly. Creepy. That's Carrie Ipema. And that is Quinlan WXYZ Posner. That's my middle name. Don't know why. <laughs> Parents got creative, just did a list of letters. What is Griffin's middle name going to be? McCroskey, Matt's last name. That's sweet. I actually was going to talk about it, so we decided Posner. It's Posner last name. I decided that. I mm, think I Matt's like on board. So Coa Sebastian Griffin McCroskey Posner. Yeah. Do you think Co is going to feel left out that he doesn't have McCroskey in his last name? No, he I don't think kids many... care about that Can stuff. I share this story that you told me that was the sweetest story in the whole wide world? Yes. It's my favorite. And I told Matt again, and he's like, I heard that. And he started crying a little bit. What? Whoa, what? What happened was, is I was talking about, we were talking about your baby, and I was like, did you imagine Koa to be who he was? And you said, you know, I did. I really, you said... I would look at pictures of a young Matt, and I really wanted to know him. And so I really wanted Koa to be like a young Matt so that I got to know Matt, or I got to know what Matt was like. And I had repeated this story to Matt, and Matt got like a little misty, and he was like, I have heard her say it, but it was so nice to hear you say that. (laughs) I think to hear it I think because the way that he hears me say it is um, that I say things like, he's just like you. Annoying. <laughs> and I love him, just like you. I balance it, but I, it's usually more in the context of me being I like... I said it like an God, after I live sc- with these two jungle creatures. <laughs> I said it like after school special vibes yeah. and with so much sentimentality. And Matt was like, it's really nice to hear you say that. And <laughs> Maybe I said he wasn't it- crying. I was definitely misting when I told him. Because it's such a... It really is a beautiful sentiment. Yeah. I really, I really dug that. <sighs> Should I tell you a story? I mean, we're here. I mean, we're in the room where it happens, so we might as well. This room has a weird amount of uh, soundproofing <laughs> if you're not going to tell me a story. Um, <laughs> I got this information from Wikipedia, Hollywood Reporter, and Biography.com. I decided to investigate, not investigate, I didn't do that. I decided to look up and research the story of Brittany Murphy. Wow, interesting. Yeah, do you know Died about young, it? Died young, clueless actress. Clueless, yes, we love her as Ty and Clueless. What else was she in? Something with Ashton Kutcher, maybe? She was in Just Married. Okay. She was Uptown Girls, 8 Mile. Oh, what about the 
all the loony bin gals. Girl interrupted. That's a good one. That's a great one. Don't ever tell her something like that she was in. Was she in oh, that right. movie that was like, I'll never tell. I'll never. Yeah, that's that the preview. Her, right? I'll never tell. Yeah. That's good. what all Call I saw. Back. Thank you. I remember the movie and I was like, I don't I don't remember the movie, but I remember the, I'll never tell. And Drop Dead Gorgeous she was in. Okay. But she was like a, I mean, she was a hot thing. She was like a fucking starlet in Hollywood for a minute. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing just married and she was so cute i mean obviously clueless was like her star turn and she was incredible she was raised by her mother primarily her dad i guess was involved in organized crime and so he was in and out of prison and he just was not around so her and her mother were like thick as thieves they did everything together i guess when she first came to hollywood when she was young her mom then followed and like the two of them were like attached at the hip which leads me to people who either treat their mom like it's like Gilmore Girls, which I think is really unhealthy, personally. Mm-hmm. If Agreed. you do that with your mom, honestly, good for you. I don't have that relationship with my mother. Be a mom, not a friend. That's that's a Quinn and I opinion. We think it's great because we had great experiences in that. But, yeah. Anyway, her, like, a, I guess they met with a producer or a, and they were like, they finished each other's sentences, like, so close. Not into it. Anyway, she didn't have much formal higher education, but apparently she was really smart, inquisitive, like really self-educated, self-taught, you know, loved to learn. Uh, famously, she dated Ashton Kutcher after their movie. Oh, they dated. They dated, yeah. It was like, you know, they were like the hot thing. She had this pretty big star rise. She was really, really talented. People loved working with her. And then her career sort of dropped off a little bit. And that she lost a lot of weight. Um, So there was suspicion of cocaine use, um, possible anorexia. She denied use of cocaine. Her husband claimed she ate whatever she wanted. She was curvy in all the right places. Her husband, Ashton Kutcher. (laughs) No, this guy she married, Simon, later, who I'll get into. Um, There was rumors of her drug use, so she was dropped off of Happy Feet 2. But it was revealed that she had... Sorry, I don't know why that's funny. I think because Happy Feet happens in a bunch of snow and she's accused of doing cocaine. So there's something to me that's just a little it's funny like, oh, that going works. on there. Her mom had claimed that she had a heart murmur that was diagnosed, diagnosed as a kid. So she couldn't even do stimulants like that. She was engaged to a producer or something. They broke that off. And then she met her future husband, Simon Monjack. He's a British screenwriter. And the two of them got married in May 2007. Apparently he was arrested for breaking his visa. And then when he got out of jail, they got married, which they loved each other. And he needed a green card. So it worked out well. He's an interesting character. In some of them, he's kind of like a side character, but in this Hollywood Reporter article that I read, he was a large focus of it in that his father died when he was really young and his mother claimed that he exaggerated and at times um, seemed unable to separate facts from fiction. He had a history of being very manipulative and he was known to leave a trail of broken hearts, unpaid bills, and angry fiancés. So some people describe him as possibly like a narcissistic sociopath. Some fucking history this guy Simon has, right? This is what's crazy to me is when your mom talks shit about you. 
Yeah. I know we talked about, like, not being thick as thieves, but, like, there's a big difference to don't talk shit about your kids. But apparently she believes he developed Munchausen syndrome, where he, like, fakes illnesses to Mm -hmm. get attention. He was someone who experienced seizures. His mother was skeptical of the cause of the seizures. She thought he was faking seizures or giving himself stuff to... She believed her son somehow made it appear that his heart stopped and that he was seizing. Whoa. That would take a lot to make it appear as if your heart stopped. Yeah. People said he was, like, pretty controlling, manipulative, as I said. Um, But she was in love with him. And she defended him. She apparently had gotten calls from friends to be like, hey, watch out for this guy. He's in massive debt. And she's like, no, no, no. I love him. All good. Anyway, so her career was struggling. Then her mother got breast cancer a couple times. And so she took off from work to help her mother and was staying by her bedside. When her and Simon got married, her mother moved in with them. So the three of them lived in the same home. Not something I would do, but her mom was sick, so she was also taking care of her mother. So Brittany at the time was taking care of her mother who was sick, and she was taking care of her husband who was sick, so much so that like she would hold him down when he was seizing, and she'd put a spoon in his mouth so that he wouldn't swallow his tongue. Like, mm-hmm. It just seemed like she was taking on a lot. She bought the house from Brittany and Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake, if you're not aware, Fun dated. Fact. Fun fact. It was fully furnished. They bought it, but she hated the house. She felt it was unlucky. Because she, of their breakup? Because of their breakup. She dreamed of moving. She's from New Jersey. She dreamed of moving back to New York and doing indie films and restarting her career on her own terms, you know, doing Broadway, things like that. Mm-hmm. Around the same time, while her career is in a downfall, she's becoming hyper-paranoid about people following her and people recognizing her and rumors spreading that would affect her career. And this was exacerbated by the fact that Simon was co-signing a lot of these things where he was, he was like, yeah, that absolutely would happen. So they would do things like doctor shopping. Are you familiar with this phrase of doctor shopping? No. Where it's you'd go to different people and get different prescriptions and she would use fake names to get prescriptions so nobody could follow her or trace her. She was hyper Because she's getting weird drugs? I don't know why you would do that otherwise. She she was hyper paranoid, is what the Hollywood yeah, Reporter article. Yeah, but I'm saying if she's using fake names and going to multiple doctors, that is suspect to me about of what like kind abusing of... the medication. Yes, I mean, to me, it's more like he was abusing the medication. It's hard to know if somebody had a problem. Drugs do play a part of her death. I don't. I'm not willing to sit there and be like she was. A drug addict. She had a drug problem. Okay. Um, I just, to me, that's very suspect to be like, we know that she was using fake names and seeing multiple doctors. Totally. You can say it's because of paranoia, but... There's something else at play. What are you hiding? Why can't you be transparent about the drugs that you're getting at the doctor? Right. If there's something prescribed to you that you need to take on a regular basis. Totally. So, yeah, it sounds like they were abusing medication. That's what it Um, sounds like. It does sound like that. By Um, the way, anecdote. Yeah? I was seeing a doctor that I loved. Yeah. And my sister was seeing a doctor she hated at the same time. And we had a conversation about it where she was like, I need to stop seeing this doctor. I said, what do you not like about them? She said, every time I go in, my sister, Brianna, is into sort of like... Holistic, holistic, Eastern, Western kind of hybrid. And she was like, every time I go in with any issue, he wants to just prescribe 
medication very, very quickly. And I feel like it's too quick and there's other ways to deal. And she said, why do you like your doctor? Maybe I'll go see him. And I said, the exact oh, opposite. I like my doctor because it was really easy to get um, an Adderall prescription. <laughs> a re- it was really easy to get a Xanax prescription. Like I just ask for drugs I think I want to try for fun. And He's like, why do you need help concentrating? And I'm like, yep. And he's like, here's the prescription. Why do you need help uh, relaxing? Yeah, that's why. Here's the prescription. It's just no issue to get drugs from him. Right. Um, come to find out by the end of our conversation, we it's switched doctor's doctor? names. It's the same fucking doctor that we're seeing. She hated him. I loved him. That doesn't surprise me, but I really like that story. Okay, so she, she had recently gone to shoot a movie and she finds out it's a horror movie and I guess Simon is drunk on set he's not allowed there's a big disagreement she ends up leaving the movie saying she didn't want to sign into a horror movie but there's more to it about her husband being on set and it being a little contentious it's in somewhere sunny and warm so they decide to just stay there take a vacation and they kind of all got sick with the same kind of cough cold bug She comes back, and she's, like, taking care of her mom who's sick and her husband who's sick, and she's getting sick. And she's taking, like, an antibiotic. She's taking migraine pills. She's taking cough medicine and an over-the-counter nasal spray. She was taking some antidepressants and an anti-seizure, so clonopin, and some anti-inflammatory. She's taking anti-seizure meds? See, I feel like she's just, like... There's something going on. There's some funky stuff happening. any pill. That's crazy. Yeah. And she was on her period at this time. So she's like taking a, she took a Vicodin for her period pain, which feels aggressive for period pain. I don't judge pain. that. That I don't judge. Great. Taking a non-seizure medication when you're not known to I mean, have seizures Clonopin. seems Is Clonopin an anti-seizure medicine, though, really? It's kind of isn't. It sounds like she was recreationally fucked up on drugs. She was I'm me- sorry. But she was medicating herself. It was a lot of shit. She had the worst laryngitis of her life for 10 days and her period that came two times in a month. And so it was causing some anemia. Her red blood count was a quarter of the normal count. It's December 19th, the evening, and it's windy and cold and chilly and the power goes out. The generator fails and they were using flashlights because they didn't want to use a candle because Simon had a sleep apnea oxygen machine. So they didn't want to blow up the house, right? So they go to sleep. That night, she was kind of having a hard time breathing when the power was going out. So she calls her doctor and she makes an appointment um, to see him on that Monday. She goes to sleep. At 3 a.m. on December 20th, 2009, she wakes up having a really hard time to breathe. Her lips are purple. She goes to her balcony and she's like wheezing and she's like, help me, help me. She apparently complained about her health a lot. She had a lot of things wrong. And so they didn't take her seriously. They being who? Her mother and Simon. Got it. Her mother denies this is the case. To be clear, her mother is like, this isn't true. However, the guy who wrote it said he interviewed them on the record after the fact. But let it be known, the mother's like, I would not not call the police if my daughter needed it. Right. That's what she's saying. Okay. But apparently Brittany could be a bit dramatic. So they were like, calm down. Simon was like, don't use my oxygen. Your heart could stop. I don't know the science behind not giving someone oxygen and that their heart would stop. I've never heard that. Simon then had a seizure. The mother makes her tea, like a ginger lemon tea, 
and is like, you look parched, drink this. At 7.30 in the morning, she collapses in the bathroom. She can't breathe. They call 911, they drag her into the shower, they put the cold water on her. On the 911 call, they're giving instructions for Simon to resuscitate her. The fire department comes, they try to resuscitate her, then she's transported to the hospital, where at 10.04 a.m., she goes into cardiac arrest, and at 32 years old, she dies. Well, it was all, you can't take all those different things, I don't think. So Simon first refused the autopsy. Why? Because he's like, you're going to find all this shit in her body? He said it was because he didn't want her body violated, as the Jewish tradition. Okay. They ended up doing the autopsy, and they (laughs) showed it was... have a bunch of tattoos? (laughs) I don't know if she has a bunch of tattoos. Sorry. If we're going to claim Jewish tradition and violation of bodies, like if you, I don't know if you know this, if you have a tattoo, you can't be buried in a Jewish cemetery. The autopsy showed it was natural causes, but the death certificate listed... Natural causes? Natural causes. What does that mean? I'll tell you. At 32, you don't die of natural Natural causes. causes. That's unnatural. (laughs) Unnatural. I should be a doctor. I know more than these people. (laughs) On the death certificate, they listed the cause of death as deferred. What's that mean? Check in later. (laughs) I love that. Check in later. They said the primary cause of death was pneumonia. Oh. And the secondary factors were iron deficiency, anemia, and a multiple drug intoxication. So the drug intoxication didn't kill her. It was not what killed her. It was the pneumonia. I apologize, Brittany. So there was a range of, like I said, over-the-counter and prescription drugs in her system. Um, which was likely to, to fight the cold or respiratory illness. Uh-huh. She was sick for two weeks prior to this, but she did not go to the doctor because she didn't really trust doctors. If she had so gone she in, it had, would have been treated. Okay, so whatever cold she got kind of blew up into full pneumonia. Exactly. People die of pneumonia. That's that's no joke. All yeah. of the drugs were obtained were obtained legally. The death was ruled as... All of them th- were obtained legally? Mm-hmm. The death was ruled as an accident... The possible adverse psychological or physio- uh, physiological effects of elevated levels of these medications cannot be discounted, and it's especially in her weakened state. So what that means is that the medicine didn't necessarily kill her, but because her body was so weakened by the anemia and the pneumonia, they had a horrible effect on her body, and she died. Oh, like she couldn't metabolize the same medications her normally. Her body was just weak anyway, and yeah. so she over-medicated and overdid it and died. Now, Simon, her husband, was convinced that she died of a broken heart. And that's due to how Hollywood treated her. Um, Oh, my God. A month after her death, her mother, mother Sharon, and Simon go on a media blitz tour. And they take these really creepy photos together. They're super fucking weird. It's like, what's going on here? May 23rd, 2010, so this is five months after her death, Simon Monjack, her husband was found dead at their home from the same cause of death. Pneumonia? Mm-hmm. This is a bad pneumonia they both got. He he was allegedly sharing a bed with her mother. Oh, my. So they were allegedly sleeping in the same bed together. I don't know what grief does. That feels like it crosses a line. No, I don't like that at all. His cause of death was pneumonia and iron-deficient anemia. What? The same two leading causes of death. That is so nuts. 
Are you kidding me? Nope. So, all right, riddle me this. What did the mother gain economically by them both dying? I don't know. I don't know. So here's his autopsy. That's a question I'd love the answer to. His heart was healthy, but showed it was slightly enlarged. But his doctor that he had just gone to had said that he had taken an EKG before his death and his heart was fine. So this, like, fake news about his, like, heart being bad, I don't think, I think that's an interesting kind of vibe. After he died, obviously some, like, shit is going on. So... Apparently, the new the L.A. Health Department was like, oh, they might have toxic mold in the house. So they sent over someone to, like, check if the house was toxic mold or something. The mother was like, no, that's not it. And then later changed her tune and was like, yeah, it is toxic mold. And she tried to sue the builders of the home. This was a year after her death, of Brittany's death. So this is December 2011. A month later, her father, who, remember, was not involved in Brittany's life, uh-huh. requested her hair, Brittany's hair, so he could have independent tests run. The suit was dismissed because he never came to the hearings. About two years later, he claims that the report there was a report that showed poisonings of heavy metals or rat poisoning. He says, I have a feeling there was definitely a murder situation here. Yeah, it's poison. Sharon Murphy, her mother, openly disputed that claim, saying that's not what happened. This was a tragic accident. This was something that was horrible that happened to these two. Right after Brittany's death, her mother and Simon started the Brittany Murphy Foundation, which was a charity for kids, arts, education, and supported the USO and cancer research. But shortly after they got all these donations, they were found out that it was they didn't file for non-for-profit status. So they returned all of the donations that was given there. The father relaunched in 2013, but nothing really came from it. And by 2018, it's basically a defunct foundation. Nothing has happened from it. That's all we know. I just can't believe that they can't figure this out. There's no way they both died of anemia and pneumonia. They're not five months apart. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Oh, wow. That's a mystery. Okay. Total mystery. You think it was the mom putting weird shit in their shit? I don't think it was the mom. I felt like when I was reading all this stuff, to me, I was like, Simon done fucked up. Like, Simon sounds like, to me, in this Hollywood Reporter article. So he did it to her and then suicided, same technique? Maybe. Maybe. Because the thing is, is like, something's not right. Also, like, the weird photos that they took together, Simon and Sharon. in the same bed? Are you nuts? (laughs) God, it's insane. I can't wrap my mind around this. But this guy, Simon, seems like a fucking whack job. There there was a psychologist, or yeah, a psychologist who heard about it and was like, this sounds like someone with sociopathic personality disorder. Simon's mother thinks he has Munchausen. So so maybe while he's getting sick, he's giving her things that maybe... Make her sick, Make too. her sick. Make them both and maybe sick. maybe he accidentally killed her by, like, oh, and or she killed herself by over-medicating and then having this existing illness, this respiratory illness that turns into pneumonia. Yeah, it's just so weird because I wonder what kind of medication would have given them both... The same cause of death of a pneumonia and iron-deficient anemia. She had her period twice that month, which I think is peculiar. For some. For some, but also, like, it sounds like there was definitely a disconnect with her mind and body, right? Where it's like she's over medicating, 
she's not trusting any doctors, so she's not getting the help she needs. It's like, this was a treatable yeah, illness. You, here's the thing. You can either be one of those Chinese medicine, holistic people that t- doesn't like to go to the doctor. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to take a bunch of weird prescription drugs, sorry, you got to couple that with some doc appointments. Yeah. you got to have that on monitor. It's an either-or type of situation. Yeah. You can't, like, just be popping clonopin like and being pills, like, I don't trust the doctors. But I don't doctors. like the peeps. Yeah. You can't love the pills and not the peeps. Isn't I that always a weird... say it. I feel like the way that they describe him, especially his own mother. That's very troubling. To me, that's the most damning part. The fact that his father tragically died when Simon was little, like I said, and then... He just started exaggerating and not telling the truth yeah. and, like, mixing fact and fiction. I don't like it. All tell right. me. Tell me your story. Tell tell your story, Carrie, please. I'm dying to tell you this story. Are I know you you're really? going to be psyched. You know why? It's a Vanity Fair article. And it's by fucking Mark Bowden. <gasps> I love Mark Bowden. Yeah. You know how I feel about that guy? He's so good, isn't He's he? He's so good. So oh, my he, God. He what is this, this completely amazing article called The Case of the Vanishing Blonde. Let me tell you guys something. Mark Bowden, who, if you guys remember, he was the author of the article that Carrie read about the man that died in room 348, the body in in 348. 348. So he actually, and then I'm doing this story. And at this point, I just have to say, I found out that he has a book called The Case of the Vanishing Blonde, which is named after the story I'm doing. But it has a collection of true crime stories in it uh, that are all true. And he's a phenomenal writer. Uh, So if you enjoyed Carrie's story and you enjoy today's, just go buy that fucking book. That's a great book club book. Let's do this. Let's do this. Okay. Also, I got my info from... Also, I got my info from ABC News and Inside Edition. Great. So, we're in Miami. It's the winter of 2005. A local power company worker guy is driving by the empty lots of a cul-de-sac that hasn't had anything built in it yet. And he sees the body of a 21-year-old Ukrainian woman. Her name is Inna Budinitska. Why do you choose these with the names every time? I'm going to call her Inna the rest of the time. I just had to try once. (laughs) She is lying naked face down in some weeds. And she'd been raped and she'd been beaten and she'd been left for dead, but she is alive. (gasps) She's just unconscious. Okay. She comes to and she cannot fucking stand up. She cannot walk. She cannot talk. She is all kinds of messed up from this experience. And they airlift her to the hospital and they're like, her face was all busted up. They can tell she's been raped. Like I said, she's not able to speak, but she is able to write her name down. So she writes her name out for them and then writes the contact info for her lawyer, which they're like, what? Weird flex. We got a lawyer. (laughs) But they're also like, why? So they start to look at what's going on with her. For months, she's been living at this airport Regency Hotel, which is about eight miles from the cul-de-sac she was found in. Her deal is that she had worked on a cruise ship and she somehow cut her hand on the job. So she was suing the cruise ship and couldn't work because of the cut on her hand. So they were having to pay for her to 
stay at this airport hotel. Okay. The cruise ship is footing the bill for the hotel that she's now been living in for a couple of months. Wow. Okay. Would you rather live on a cruise ship or in an airport hotel, by the way? Ooh. Hard, right? Coronavirus, airport hotel. Non-coronavirus, probably cruise. I mean, where are we going? I mean, it's a nice view, but you also can't, like, probably give her a shit room, like, without a... Yeah. So small, then. Yeah, but, like, free food? Yeah, but cruise ship food. I don't know what cruises you've been on, but... (laughs) Anyway, her story is that two white guys broke into her room. She thinks... She's very hazy on the details. She says they spoke with Hispanic accents and that they attacked her, that they gave her uh, something to drink that she thinks was drugged. She recalls uh, vaguely that maybe they took her out of her room and into a car, uh, and that is where they raped her. And again, she asked for a lawyer right away, which is just a strange thing to do in that situation. You're clearly the victim. And you're already suing this cruise ship. So they think that's really weird. But to her credit, yeah, she says she did it because she, this is in an interview with 2020. She says, I didn't know nobody. I was alone. And it, right. her mom's in the Ukraine. We don't really know of any friends. So that seems like it might add up. But she really didn't know who to call. Right. Like somebody needs to go pick her up. I don't know. It's actually really sad. Yeah. Um, also, that she made no friends while staying at this airport hotel for a month. Like, yeah, you didn't you talk to like people all the time. The concierge. Like you didn't talk to like the the desk people. I mean, like, hey, is there a hotel bar? Is there a hotel bar? Do you have the cookies out yet? Like, there. You know that usually hotels have like a bowl of fruit at the very least. I like a, a hotel that does an afternoon cookie. cookie. I enjoy that. Um, security at the hotels pretty tight. I mean, not like crazy tight. They have but videos everywhere, I'm sure. Totally have videos everywhere. The property's fenced. The gates around it are locked. They're monitored. There's not like a ton of ways to get in and out. It's a hotel. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's not like a hundred doors. And I'm sure all of them are monitored by video. Right. During the nighttime, the back door is locked. You can't really get in there except remotely. There's a couple security guards that are on duty. Also, all the guests use those key cards. So it's pretty easy to monitor at least the comings and goings. Uh, maybe not the goings, I guess. The People know when you go into your room. It's like right. computerized. Mm-hmm. What we know because of all these cameras and these key cards is that she went up to her room, which was on the fourth floor at 3.40 in the morning. And then her body was found like maybe three or four hours later. So there's this window oh, wow. where we're like, this is when this happened to you. And there's no evidence of, like, when her leaving? They don't see her leaving at all? That's what's crazy. They don't see her leaving anywhere. And they're all, all of them have cameras on them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what, they're, it's bananas. So they're like, what, let's just put together what we know. What happened to you that night? Went out to dinner with a friend. Thought you didn't have any friends, Inna, but Okay. She got back at midnight. Sounds like a fun dinner. She exited at like three in the morning, the building. She says she was going to a gas station just to grab a phone card because she wanted to call her mom mm-hmm. in Ukraine. And, and that that like it's a time difference. So that would have made sense. Actually, it'd be a good time to call, I guess. Yeah. And she does just leave for a second and she comes right back. So she's back getting in the elevator around, uh, like I said, 
340 or yeah. something. Yeah. She chats with another guest in the elevator. They can see that. And then we know she went into a room because we know that she swiped the key. So that's what we know. So the case is going to go to civil court that she's suing the hotel for negligence, basically. Oh, wow. Yeah. She likes to sue people, I think. First the cruise ship, now this? Yeah. The hotel gets a law firm, hires a law firm, but they also hire a private detective. You're going to die. It's him? Enter Ken Brennan. Yes! Yes, Ken Brennan. Yes! I was so excited to tell you that. Ken Brennan. Ken Brennan. We love you. How do they describe him? Slicked back hair. Slicked back hair. Gold chains. Fucking Florida. Former DEA agent with a Long Island accent. Yes! Ken Brennan. Divorced. Love that guy. Started working as a PI in the 90s. I love that guy He's cool as shit. He's cool as fucking shit. Yeah. I want his book is what I want. I'm sure he has one. He's He's so fucking cool. Alan Foote is the detective handling the case. And he and Brennan meet, of course. And they get along. Like, they they like each other. They respect each other. Brennan gets along with everyone because he gives them respect. You are telling me. Do you want to know what he said to Alan Foote? Of course I do because he does this all the time. You're going to die. He says great shit. Here's what he said. I won't step on your dick. I won't do a thing without telling you about it. If I figure out who did it, you get the arrest. I won't do anything to fuck it up for you. This guy, I love him. To my guy, he was like, I'm not a, I'm not a fucking maverick. We do this, we do this together. Like, what a team player, badass. This is a guy who knows how he's good, but also doesn't let his fucking ego get in the way. He's not going to step on your dick. He's not going to step on your motherfucking dick. So... Love that. So Foot, much. Foot's like, I think Foot loves it too. So he's like, you know what? Then I'm just going to be super transparent about all our findings. I'm going to give this guy the file because you don't have to give a PI the file. But they also know he used to be a DEA agent, which gives him like that family cred of like he's been. He's he gets it. Yeah, he gets it. This guy gets it. Here's the files. Also, he gives him the files, and he's like, I. T- I've looked at this. Like, you're not going to fucking Help. find anything. Tell me he did the same thing before where he's like, I know what happened. <laughs> no, not quite. This was really hard. He God. said this is his hardest case. I read that in an interview. Um, anyway, he's skeptical. Brennan can figure anything out. And the biggest hole that we just discussed is her leaving. 3.40 to 8 a.m. So one thing is that we've got all these cameras, um, and some of them are motion activated. So one of the first things they do is they try to see, can you cheat that? Can you go so slow? Can you, or so <laughs> what speed? Low? Like, may, is there a way to basically leave and not set off the motion detectors? Right. No, there isn't. It's too hard. Um, could they have lowered her maybe from the window? window? No, they couldn't have. It's the fourth floor. And that's it's also like that feels like a lot of work. Not rapey. (laughs) Right? Yes. As far as adjectives go, yes, it's heisty, not rapey. Did they maybe disguise her? I love that one, but of course. They don't see anything that looks like that. No. Also, obviously, who was her attacker? Is when are they leaving? Is there like a sheet thing? Is it like can they take her in like you know how like they have those big tubs for sheets? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Like cleaning the cleaning person. Oh no, no, that's a good idea. That's a really smart idea. 
by tracing the camera footage, what Brennan sets out to do is know everybody's business and be able to kind of move them like pawns. Like you went here, then you went here, then you went here, then you went here. So one thing he's interested in is the guy she was talking to in the elevator right before she got off and went to her room. Right. He was this big black guy with glasses and they see him get in the elevator with her. But the next time they catch him anywhere on camera is around 530 in the morning, getting back into the elevator with his luggage and he leaves and he goes to the parking lot. What he notices is weird is then he comes back into the hotel without his luggage But he doesn't actually check out that day or anything. So it's not like, let me go load my luggage in the car because then drive into the airport. It's like, let me go load my luggage and then go back into the hotel without my luggage. And then never, you never see the luggage again. How big is the luggage? Small. I mean, a body couldn't fit in it. That's a great question. What Brennan does is hires a woman to God, I love this guy. Climb in the lu- he gets the luggage. He gets a similar luggage and he he sorts like a- out the measurement by looking at the film and figures out about the measurement of the luggage and gets a woman to climb in the luggage and sees if they can make her fit? contort and fit into it. What I wonder is how is that like a Craigslist ad where he's like Please reply, I need to see if you fit in my luggage. (laughs) Like, who answers that ad? Anyway, Ken Brennan, I would do anything for you. I'd climb in your luggage. Call me. 5'8", thick. I'll get in the luggage. (laughs) So she fits in the luggage. He gets someone that fits in the luggage. No shit. The other thing that's bothering him about watching this footage over and over again is how fucking cool and collected dude is. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, like he's calm. He's, he's done this calm. before. It's... This isn't his first fucking rodeo. Thank you. The thing that really cinches it for him is he notices the tiniest movement, which is that when the guy goes out of the elevator, the luggage kind of catches, you know, in the ground. You know yeah. where the elevator? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he has to kind of jerk it up in a way that's like it's, it's heavy. heavy. Okay. Like, pull it up. It doesn't just keep pulling when you pull it. He has to do one of those up. (laughs) Me when Carrie goes over 50 pounds. The hotel, he's like, look, this is my theory. And they're like, you are cuckoo. job. Yeah. They're like, we might even pull the PI idea at this point. Forget. Like, this is too much. They don't keep super clear records at the hotel, so they can't figure out who this guy is. They finally acquiesce to him and say you can keep looking into it even though they're all kind of eye rolling so he starts stalking the guy on film going back in time watching his every move and sees him with a buddy and his buddy's wearing a t-shirt at the hotel uh it says mercury that obviously means zero so he he's keeps, just a big queen fan yeah he keeps watching uh, though, and he can catch the back of the shirt at one point, really blurry, really hazy, can tell that it's V blank, 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 O on the back of the shirt. It's Verado is what it ends up being, which is the name of a new boat engine, and it's manufactured by a company called Mercury Marine. Okay. Why is that important? There was a boat show in Miami the weekend this happened to Anna. The way you would have gotten one of those T-shirts is they would have been given away in the food court to the people working the boat show. Holy shit. So 
they are like, who were the people that were hired to like cater and do the food court? It was a company called Centerpiece. They were in charge of food. So Brennan calls the company and is like, did you have this big black guy with glasses that did work for you? And they're like, yeah, we did. And he he works at Zephyr Field, which is home of the New Orleans Zephyrs. Um, luckily, Brennan at the time has a New Orleans connection. Of course and he does. Do you want to know his connection? It's another guy he helped, though, in New Orleans where the guy um, the guy was arresting somebody and the bad guy broke free and ran. And Brennan, Brennan happened there. to be there and attacked the bad guy. So now this guy, Captain Ernest Demma, is, like, just a huge fan of his. He even calls uh, Brennan Batman, like, as a nickname. Because he was, he like, is. totally Batman to the situation, like, attack the bad guy. I'm obsessed with Ken Brennan so Oh, my God. I'm hard. completely obsessed. So he's like, I'll help you ID this guy uh, since I'm in New Orleans. And he does. The bummer of the situation is the dude's name is Mike Jones. Which God. is, like... Damn it. That's not the name you want. No. With a name like Mike Jones, you can do anything. But when they go back to the logbook, they do find a Mike Jones in the hotel logbook. So, like, it's definitely... Things are lining up. Wow. But... What? You know, they look at, like, the card he used, and it's since been canceled. And they look at the address it was associated with, and it's since been vacated. So, Brennan's working theory is that this guy travels on... His work's dime and he travels and he's in different cities and someone else is paying for the hotel and putting him up. And this is what he does. And he does this often. And obviously he thinks that because of the video and him being like a cool guy. He figures out he doesn't work for center plate food anymore, but he's like, I think he would have gone for a job that's similar. So he starts to to look at. Other companies that basically are Center Foods competition and do the Center Plates competition and do the same things. And he starts calling them. This guy's really like a big guy. So they're like, does a big black guy with glasses named Mike work for you? And he's calling places and they're all pretty much going, no, no, no. And then he calls a place and they're like, we would prefer not to answer or something like that. Where he's he's like, like, we got to leave. Yeah. He's like, it's this place. Great. So he figures out that a Michael Lee Jones works for that company, which is in Frederick, Maryland. He tells Foote right away. He's like, Alan, here's the situation. I think I got the guy. Will you go interview him? And Foote goes and does the interview and tells Mike, look, we just have to talk to you about an incident that happened during that boat show, basically. Right. And he's Mike's really nice really mild-mannered, is like, no problem. They come to meet him at work and sit down with him. Did you have sex with anyone at the Regency Hotel you were staying at? He says, no, I didn't, but, uh, you know, I had sex with this other woman I met at the boat show. He acted really convincingly to a point where Alan Foote calls Ken afterwards. Ken Brennan is like, I think you're wrong. Like, I don't... I don't, I'm not making him out to be a suspect. But Jones, when they ask him for DNA, gives it to them. And when they get the DNA back, guess what? It's a match. It's a match. He willfully gave his DNA up? Yes, he did. Okay. Is he trying to say that he God, met her he could, at the... He could take a page from Inna's book and have called a lawyer, maybe. You yes, know what I seriously. Mean? It feels like reverse in some way. Well, it, and it links him to the victim immediately. And they're like... 
your semen was in her. So he, of course, is like, well, yeah, I forgot. He says that she was a sex worker and he paid her $100. And he's like, I don't hurt women. That's not me. I wouldn't have hurt her. I don't hurt women. But then Brennan's like, okay, do me a favor, buddy. Walk me through this. Walk me through that. And in questioning him says, what did you have in your suitcase when I saw you in the elevator with your suitcase? And he says, oh, I only had, you know, my clothes, my shoes uh, and some video games. And he's like, oh, that's weird because it looks like you needed kind of a lot of muscle to sort of lift it here in this shot. Do you see? It looks like it was actually really pretty heavy. And so Mike is like, yeah, yeah, you know, there were actually, there were large books in it as well. I am super into reading. And he's like, cool, cool. What uh, books? Tell me any of the books that you had. Any of them. Warm Could piece. not name a book. What? Couldn't name a book. Just say the fucking Bible. Jesus it Christ. It reminds me of Billy on the street being like. <laughs> name a woman. Name a woman. <laughs> And you can't think of a woman when you're put on the spot like that. It's so general. He couldn't name a book. So here's the issue they're still going to have. It's actually going to be with Inna because her story is so different than what actually happened. Do you think she knew she was put in a suitcase? I think she got knocked out hard and hit in the head. I don't, in the sense that she's so unclear on it. She says two white guys did this with Hispanic accents. She's conflating a different event earlier. Do you know what I mean? Like, she, her, she was knocked out. He pleads guilty. So Mike pleads guilty to sexual assault in return for having all the more severe charges against him dropped. And he's sentenced to only two years in prison. That's fucked. That's what Brennan says. Brennan's like, oh, no, 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 no. Yes. No fucking way. I was going to say, because he wouldn't let the other guy. He fucking oh. fought for the other charges Listen, in the body Brennan case. will not let that stand. That's not his style. So... He pushes the police and he's like, you know what? We got to take the uh, DNA we have and put it in CODIS. And so they do in t- 2016. And it takes fucking months, I guess, to get those results back. But they double check matches in the system and sh- they get more matches. Of course they do because he does it everywhere he goes. So a woman in Colorado Springs oh, took a ride from a guy and he took her home and raped her. He did it to two women in New Orleans who were looking for taxis. And so they go back to trial. And even though Inna's testimony is so wackadoo and shitty and doesn't help and is part of why he was going to get away with the two years, one of these New Orleans women is like still so pissed, so on top of it, so remembers that night. Her testimony is fucking pitch perfect. And he is now serving what amounts to a life sentence at the Fremont Correctional Facility in Colorado. He got 24 years to life for one count of sexual assault with force and 12 years to life for a second um, of felonious sexual contact. He's 38 and he's not going to even have a hearing till 2032, a parole hearing. I'm so glad he was caught. The fact that this case, he was able, there's there's actual retribution and there's actual consequence for this is so fulfilling to me that someone who sexually assaults women and takes away so much of their fucking power and dignity gets to fucking go to jail forever. Yeah, but the question you really need to ask yourself that Vanity Fair was not afraid to ask. How many more women? Ken Brennan, have you ever considered wearing a fedora? (laughs) 
They asked him that? They did, and he said, while it's often been said that I'm a throwback to old school kind of detective work, I've never thought about dressing the part. Love can brand him. In honor of the man we love, I'm going to read you one more question Vanity Fair asked him and one question that ABC asked him. Okay. So ABC did a thing where they let people write in questions, and one woman said, I have a 26-year-old daughter who lives alone in the city. This is probably a lot of our dear readers, so focus. What would be the most important piece of advice you could give her as far as her safety? The most important piece of advice I could give your daughter is to be aware of her surroundings. If she's in a parking lot and walking to her car, stay off the cell phone. Look to see who's around you. Always go with your gut feelings. If something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. If someone is closing their distance towards you, it's better to return to the store and have someone escort you out. But if a predator does manage to accost you and start to pull you into your vehicle or theirs, don't let them get you out of the parking lot, even if they strike you or pull a weapon on you. Fight like your life depends on it because it does. I've always been a proponent of carrying some type of weapon for self-defense, but you also have to have a plan of action. Some good advice from Ken. We have to listen to what he says. The man knows what he's talking about, and that is some sage advice. I love carrying weapons. I don't own any yet, but just the thought of it, (laughs) I'm into it. I think I'm going to get a cool ankle dagger to start. Ankle dagger? Yeah. What, just like a little, you take it out? Yep. I feel like uh, uh, I'm on my bike. They fucking can't catch me. You're right. A bike is good. <laughs> and I have a bike lock. You don't want that pepper I can spray swim. or anything? Well, it's illegal in the a state of New whistle? York. I'll take a rape whist. <laughs> All right. If we ever do merch, can we just agree that it's like a cool rape, rape whistle? whistle? For sure. So I'm going to do one more question for for Ken, since we fucking love him. What if, um, he, what if he became a guest on our show? Don't even. That's too far. I'm too excited about that. You know he's single. <laughs> well, Carrie, I'll dreams marry, can come true. Will he marry down? It's the question. I feel like I'm <laughs> marrying up. It's true. <laughs> Um, so they asked him, what do you do differently from other investigators that help you solve some of these uncrackable cases? Mm-hmm. And he said, he talks about how the first thing is contacting, obviously, the detective and that he's meticulous in his review of existing information. And that's his starting point. If he doesn't have the file, he starts one on his own. And then he, just as you just said, it's about separating fact from fiction and seeing if there are patterns within the evidence that lead to specific individual or individuals. He says, I doubt any investigator is aware of the mechanics of their own thought processes, and I certainly can't explain mine. For example, I don't have an awareness of how I'm able to look at a crime scene photo that has been previously reviewed countless times by others and see something in it, or maybe not see something in it that should be there, and figure out if or how that plays into other known facts. I just know I'm able to do it. He's the star. Can we... Fangirl. For the record, next week is our 50th... <gasps> our 50th episode. Whoa. Should you and I try to find two Ken Brennan stories? No. Because they're going to be in that book, and we Mark Bowden's going to sue us if we just keep doing his <laughs> material. <laughs> okay, we won't. Yeah, maybe I have a chance with him. 
Sorry, Matt. <laughs> Sorry. I think he would approve. I think Matt would be like. He, he, if he goes on my list, he would approve. If I'm like, look, what is, I just added Ken to the list. Do you have a list? Of course. We have long lists of people we're allowed. Like, who's on your? Matthew Reese. Pretty much anyone I meet, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. That's just an open marriage, I think. <laughs> Ooh, the things just got it. That took a dark turn. <laughs> that was so dork-sided. Thanks for listening, dear readers. Oh, dear readers, what a fun app. Wild and crazy episode. I'm so glad we 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 ended on a solved case of like a case where it's like, yep, that's you're what just, happened. You're glad we ended with Ken. I'm always glad when we ended with Ken. Uh,